BP Nation, what's going on? We are back on the podcast, and this week we have another special guest. This week, Ash and I sit down with Sarah Emma. That's right. That is her last name. First name, Sarah. Last name, Emma. Not two first names, but a first and a last name. But Sarah is a coach with Level 10 Coaching. She's an incredibly knowledgeable woman who specializes in strength conditioning, holistic nutrition, and body image. And that's what we're going to spend the majority of this conversation diving into is body image and how she helps people learn to care for and love themselves while building sustainable habits. And we also dive into the fact that she's got a golden retriever that looks just like Coda and would definitely be best friends with Coda if they had the opportunity, as well as some of our favorite activity trackers at the end of the episode. So we touch on a little bit of everything as we're going through, but the bulk of our time is spent around body image. So if that is something you struggle with, this is absolutely the episode for you. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is episode number 93. Got that wrong on the first take. And today we have a special guest. Today we have Sarah Emma on the show, and she is going to unleash all kinds of gold on us today as we go through the conversation. So, Sarah, I just want to give you a minute to introduce yourself to anyone who may not know you and just explain a little bit about who you are, what you do, and why you do it. So go ahead and take it away. Hello, I'm Sarah. First name Sarah. My last name's Emma. A lot of people think that I'm going by Sarah Emma. It's like my two names, just Sarah. Um, so I am a strength and nutrition coach for Level Ten Coaching. Um, I work with clients on improving their nutrition, getting them into strength training, helping them reach their physical goals, with all the underlying kind of theme of respect for body, body image, and self-care. So a little bit of a spin on probably the traditional health and fitness coach. That's that's kind of my bread and butter is really working with people on improving their body image um, and then the way that they care for themselves. So with, I mean, obviously with the focus on improving their health as well. So it's kind of like both things at the same time. So that's, uh, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> and I'm fully, I'm full-time with level 10. That's my that's my big gig right now. So it's been wonderful. And yeah, it's, it's, it's what I think I was made to do. That's awesome. How long have you been with level 10? I got hired with level 10 in January, okay. uh, but I've been in the strength and conditioning nutrition space since 2011, I think. Yeah. Around 2000, like 10 years. Okay. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. That's what I was going to ask you next. Talk to us a little bit about like your background. I know you, similar to us, you did a lot of in-person uh, like strength and conditioning coaching, but what did that look like? Okay. So I was a college athlete and I played water polo in college and um, I always like, I feel like I always wanted to work in sports because I was like, this is where I belong. But I started interning for the strength and conditioning. Actually, I started interning with the athletic training department and I saw one elbow dislocation. I was like, I'm out, I cannot do this. <laughs> so I went and started interning with the strength and conditioning staff. I was like, okay, this is it. And I loved being in the weight room. I loved helping people with their strength. I loved like, I was, I was strong. And so that was an easy thing for me to transition to. It felt like very comfortable. Um, and I, I just like, dove into the world of college strength and conditioning and got my CSCS 
Um, I actually went abroad to Australia for a little, like a year and a half and lived there, played water polo, did another degree, but I always knew I wanted to come back to college strength and conditioning. So um, I was interning at like D3, D1 schools. I did my internship at the USOC in Colorado Springs um, and then came back and started full-time strength and conditioning as I got my master's and have been between high school and college strength and conditioning ever since. So I've been in like the full on sports performance world, working with athletes. Um, And then, you know, in the last like four years or so at my last job, I was, saw this huge need of like, we are spending so much time in the weight room, so much time, you know, and my athletes are spending so much time lifting so much time, like in film and practice and they're eating like hot Cheetos and Sunny D every day. I'm like, we could be getting so much more for like bang for our buck with training if we focused on what we're eating. Um, So then I I started, I created a sports nutrition department at the school I was at. um, And that's how I got into nutrition. And then from there, I think that I, I mean, I think a lot of coaches go through this of like, oh, I think I created what I actually needed (laughs) for myself when I was an athlete um, of like somewhere where I could go and learn about nutrition Um, because I, I, and ultimately led me to being like, there was some things here for me that I needed, like working on nutrition and body image and, and alongside my athleticism. So that's what led me here to level 10. It's been quite an interesting road. I definitely took a different road than a lot of like online coaches. So here I am. You're like the girl version of me. I did that exact, <laughs> like the exact same journey that you just described minus Australia. Yeah, her sons. Well, yeah, you traveled around a lot too, I guess. Yeah, but I just didn't go to Australia. But I did the exact same thing. I got into sport, like strength conditioning, the collegiate setting, because I thought that was like the pinnacle of everything that has to do with fitness, nutrition, and health. And then after working in that setting for a year, I didn't see any elbow dislocations. I saw some other injuries. That's not what drove me out. I was just like, I cannot handle the politics. I cannot handle the bullshit from the coaches. Like the the sport coaches, I'm not doing any of that, oh, and the pay yeah. obviously sucks. So oh, that, <laughs> so yeah, I, I feel you there. That's the worst. Yeah. It's real. It's a grind too. It's a grind. So yeah, and it's just um, so funny because it is still looked at as like the pinnacle for a lot of people. And if that's your jam and like you love it, totally cool. But there, if you're <laughs> Well, number one, if you're in health and fitness to make money, you're that's the wrong field. But if you're yeah. thinking you're gonna create any kind of lifestyle that is beyond like I don't want to call like the standard but like any kind of extravagant and abundance in your life strength collegiate strength conditioning is not the way to go it's not it yeah it's not it and and I would argue that so many if we're really working on health and fitness so many strength coaches are so unhealthy because of the schedule and the bullshit from the coaches <laughs> and the amount of coffee they're drinking just to like get through the day. It's, it's not a friend. Like I, one of my mentors is like, you never go to a retirement party for a strength coach when they're old. Like it's, it's a young people's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true. And I'm like, yeah that, that's, that's a huge so reason true. why I left the in-person thing. It's yeah. like, it's just a grind. I yeah. think you hit the nail right on the head there. Cause I think for that year I worked at Pitt I think I lived on muscle milk, Gatorade bars, and like coffee. I think that because that's what we gave all the ad. <laughs> Solid. I mean, I was like 26. I thrived. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel that those Gatorade bars. That was like oh, they're like candy. I could eat 
I mean, oh, they like so are good. candy. And legit. then like, like you said with the athletes too, they come in, you're talking about hot Cheetos and Sunny D. We'd have swimmers come in, they'd swim for three hours before practice, or before training, then train, and then you'd have these girls who weigh 130 pounds eating two Gatorade bars, like a muscle milk, and like a pack of gummies, and it's like, you literally just consumed 1,200 calories. <laughs> no, no grams of fiber, none. Yeah. I, I was just yeah. going to say, really nutrient-dense foods, for sure. <laughs> so we're crushing it in that realm of things. The it's whole terrible, industry. it's terrible. And they spend so much time on their sport, and I'm like, you would get maybe... I don't know, 30% better. It's a num- just a random number, but 30% better if you could just like focus on what you're putting inside your body. For sure. Yeah. 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 Now, have they, has the school that you worked at kept the like the nutrition program that you implemented? No, they, I don't think oh, they were able to. Yeah. It's, so like so I said, it's been, a, it's been a month since I left. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, the the person they were interviewing was like, oh, it's so great that you have a sports nutrition department. And the person they were interviewing to replace me, they're like, that was the sports nutrition department. Like there's, yeah, it's oh. there's not a lot of schools, I think, that want to invest in that, which is really unfortunate because so many athletes, and this is a huge reason why I do what I do today. So many athletes have no idea how to care for their bodies after they're done training six to eight hours a day. <laughs> like they have no idea. Um, and it's a really hard transition out from that. So I wish they would just teach them the skills then, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's also hard because the schools who do invest in it, like the bigger D1 schools, Power 5 schools, it's still one like registered dietitian or one sports nutritionist for <laughs> all of the Olympic sports teams and then one just for football. <laughs> so it's like yep. one person cannot handle that workload and one person no. is not going to be able to provide the education and the support for all of these athletes that's to learn needed. how to eat to fuel their performance. So yeah, it is one totally. of those things that's tough. It's really hard. Yeah. Now, a little off topic, but how did you get into water polo? I'm curious. It's just such a unique sport. Well, I'm in Southern California, so it's like, Not it's that like unique lacrosse. There. It's, yeah, it's like lacrosse on the East Coast. It's like, you know, but but I hadn't played it when I was younger. I just was like, I played softball and someone was like, hey, you can throw a ball, right? And I was like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> So I get in the pool, could barely swim. I was like two laps and I was like, are we still going? Are we still doing this? And the coach was like, yes, this is the warm up. And, but I could throw a ball. And then it became like, oh, if you can throw a ball well, you're going to be fine in like women's water polo. So it ah. became really fun. Yeah. And I played volleyball and I swam and I was fairly active as a high schooler. Um, and then ended up playing in college. Cause I was like, this was, I mean, this was a huge part of like my body image stuff but it's like oh if I just keep being a college athlete then I won't have to like be like a big person in the real world if that makes sense like I fit in this world so I'm gonna stay here as long as I possibly can even though I didn't you know I didn't really love it I just thought it would help me to stay like thin mm-hmm. which is a huge a huge conversation but um yeah no it's it's a little more common here but I it, it it's an it's a small world I love I love it now it's it's been giving me so many good friends and yeah great that's very cool yeah we uh, I grew up doing gymnastics and then transitioning to diving so I dove in college but we always like played water polo just as fun so <laughs> I always I always loved it <laughs> yeah, for fun it's probably way different than competitive oh yeah it's not fun like it's <laughs> yeah. not it's one of the most no. miserable things I've ever done but <laughs> yeah that's funny um well I mean you just touched on it a little bit 
I, if anyone follows your Instagram, they'll see you talking about body image. So I wanted to hear a little bit like what inspired you to specialize in that. I know you mentioned a little bit about water polo, but. Yeah. So, I mean, body image was definitely something I struggled with since I can remember having memories almost like it's, and I know a lot of my clients, I'm like, how long have you been struggling with body image? They're like, I don't remember a time when I wasn't. And that was the case for me of feeling like I, I'm different, like I'm different than other people. And whether that was like objectively true or not, almost doesn't really matter because for some reason, like I had this thing, of like I'm, I'm overweight, like I'm fat, I'm different. I am too big to be a normal person. And I, and that really drove so much of my like actions in my life that like, I think even like through all the sports, like I loved playing sports, but really I was in sports because I didn't want to be fat <laughs> and, and, and being a five, nine, almost 200 pound woman was like, well, it makes sense in sports coaches love athletes that are big. So I can fit in this world and be accepted. And, but th- like the transition out of athletics was really difficult. Cause I'm like, well, I'm just a normal person now. I'm not an athlete anymore, which I would challenge now, but I'm not an athlete anymore. So it doesn't make sense that I'm this big. And I, so I have to do everything that I possibly can to not be this way so that I can like fit back into like the pack. And so, I mean, that's what drove me to get into coaching was like, okay, if I learn, like, I hate my body. I I really don't, don't like myself. And I, I, when I, I feel I had this idea that when I got to a certain like body weight or aesthetic image that I would finally love myself. Like if I get this external thing, I will finally love myself. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to get my, my bachelor's in exercise science, master's in exercise physiology. I'm going to do all the sports. I'm going to do CrossFit. I'm going to do, you know, all the diets, all the paleo things, like every time thinking like, okay, this is going to be the thing that finally makes me love myself. This is it. You know? And it's like every new thing I would start would be like the last hope. And I learned all of the things like I've got my education and did all these, had all these great jobs and great internships and all this experience, but left really realizing that like, oh, I was, I wasn't broken in the first place. Like it wasn't this last thing that would get me to feel good about myself. Finally, it was like, I could make that choice whether or not my body changed. And so now fitness becomes a thing that's just something that I can do to take care of myself, something that's fun. So like play and nutrition becomes a privilege, like something I can use to really truly care for my body. And it doesn't have anything to do with my worth. So that was like my road to it. And I see this in so many people like, oh, when I finally get to, I will like, I just want to be loved and accepted so bad that I will do anything it takes to make my body look different. So I can finally feel that love and acceptance. And, and this is informed a lot by my faith. Cause I've come to realize like, we're all worthy of love and acceptance. Like we're all worthy of love and care. Um, and changing external, our external bodies, isn't going to get us there. So that's a very roundabout way of, yeah, that's how I got here. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I love that. And I think so, like you said, so many people can relate to that. Um, and it's that's like not an easy sh- like mindset shift. So mm. talk to me a little bit about that. Like what was it kind of just like you woke up one day and you're like, no, this is I get the choice or like I get uh 
I get to have the choice to think about my body this way? Or was it just what you realized kind of over time? It was definitely <laughs> the end of the road with my education. I even was like, oh, maybe I should get a PhD. Then I would learn. <laughs> so, um, at the end of the road, I'm like, I know everything now. Like, I know everything that I thought I needed to know would finally give me the information. So, like, it's clearly not a lack of knowledge. It's mm -hmm. it's no more a lack of knowledge. I had gone through the points where I got super lean, and I was still hated my body. I would argue I hated my body even more when I was like, you know, had gone gotten really lean in really unsustainable and unhealthy ways. That did not make me love my body. It made me feel afraid. And then, and so I realized like, okay, well, if it's not the knowledge and it's not actually getting lean and thin, then it's gotta be something else. And so I started like, just decide, made the decision to like, okay, even if I don't like the way my body looks, I'm still going to treat it with respect. And it was like out of that action that really made me realize like, oh, okay, that's what it was. Like, I, I, I just had to start actually loving myself in an, in a very active way, not just waiting for this feeling of self-love to just hit me out of the blue. It was like, no, you have to go act like you love yourself. And then that's where it will come from. So it was like, I had gone, eliminated all the other options. I felt like. Yeah, no, I think that, that resonates with me so much. And, um, I talk about that a lot with clients all the time. It's you can't want you can't change your body from a place of hate. Like it's you're you're never going to get there. You're never like you mentioned, you're never going to feel satisfied and be happy with that end result if it's coming from a place of hate. Um so I, I'm curious how do you like, I'm sure ever, everyone wakes up, we have bad body image days. <laughs> I'm like that. You're like that. Um, how, how do you handle those bad body image days? Like now that you've kind of come full circle. Mm. So this is something that's really changed in, in, as through my journey. And so I mean, we all, that's the thing. And like you, you kind of hit on this of like, we all have bad body image days. I think we, we, there's this idea in our head that like, once I am thin, I will not have body, bad body image days. I will like every single part of my body a hundred percent of the time, 24 hours a day. And that is not true. Like I said, like if, if I was, when we, when I was using really unhealthy unsustainable methods of getting lean, I was arguably like the worst with my body because I was so scared. I knew that it wasn't sustainable and I was so scared that it would come back that I'd be even more anxious and nervous and had more bad body images and pick myself apart. So now I still have the thoughts, like they still hit me, but I think it's the, and I think it's the idea of like, these thoughts may never go away completely, but I don't feel like they take me down as much as they used to. So I, really like what I've ended up doing and like my kind of like three steps <laughs> if I had like a, to break it down like that is number one my like mantra that works for me in my head is there is nothing wrong with my body like just saying that in my head helps me just to move on because I'm not forcing the positivity I'm not like no no you love your stomach today it's like no I don't that's not true and it doesn't help when I'm just forcing the positivity down so I just kind of neutralize and I'm like there's nothing wrong with my body and that is just helps me to just move forward with my day. 
Um, I also stopped wearing clothes that felt uncomfortable, like getting rid of all the clothes that just, and even like the stupid stuff, like the underwear and sports bras that made me like really conscious of my body, just let them go. Our bodies are meant to change. And they're not meant to wear the same pair of underwear for our entire lives. Like, that's the same thing. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like our clothes can change with our bodies. Um, so not wearing clothes that were uncomfortable. And then, like I said before, continuing to act, even if I felt one way, continuing to act in a way that was loving toward, and respectful towards my body. It didn't have to be like, you know, giving myself like, you know, facials and massages and things. It was like, no, you still train, you still eat in the way that you normally would just continue to show up for your body. So it was like having a little phrase in my head, wearing something that felt comfortable. Um, and then actively showing myself like love, like, and then, and I think, and I encourage my clients to stop looking, like I said, waiting for the love feeling to happen. Cause I really think that love is more of an action than it is a feeling. And if you like, if you, if when you're with a marriage, <laughs> when you're with your spouse, if you only acted loving when you felt so like nice about them, it would, it would not go well. <laughs> True. We can relate. Yeah. Yeah, like I can, even if I don't feel loving towards you, I still need to act respectfully. <laughs> so that's when I started to view my body as like, I don't have to feel like I love every single bit of you, but I still have to act respectfully. I love that. I've never thought about it like that. I'll be honest. That's, <laughs> now that's I'm going to think about that. Now she's going to bring that up to me every time I'm an ass. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks. <laughs> uh, no, but listening to the two of you go back and forth, and this is how I have felt about body image and and self-worth and all of these all of the related topics is it all ultimately comes down to placing your self-worth or your identity in the wrong things and then not taking an active or not putting in an active effort to change it more or less waiting like you had mentioned for something to magically happen but that's really the two things that it comes down to and it I think it happens to the majority of people if not everybody in some way or another like guys will say that they don't care how they look and you know things like that but that's all bullshit like even <laughs> yeah. as a dude you, if you don't want to call it body image you can call it body dysmorphia whatever you still wake up and look at yourself and you think oh, i don't like how x y and z looks and there's still days where those things are hard but you just brush them off because you're a dude and that's what you're like quote unquote supposed to do yeah. and so i think it's just something that i know i've gone through from more of a performance standpoint and like having my whole identity and worth wrapped up in CrossFit because that's what I was known for. And I was the CrossFit coach and I worked at Reebok and all of these things. And then getting injured and not being able to do all of those things and having to then realize like, holy shit, I wrapped my entire life up into this fitness thing. And that's all people knew me as that's all I was known for. And that transition, like you said, it's, it's really hard and it has to be something that you're consciously doing or else you're not going to get anywhere. No, I, I I like feel that as you're saying that I'm like, yes, like it's, it's like, I've, I've been the athlete, like I've been the coach, the coach, I've been like the high level coach, I've been this and that and that, but like, that is so limiting. It's so, so limiting. And it like, yes, being an athlete can be part of who I am, but it's not all of who I am. And that changed a lot for me and just like figuring out what I actually like to do because I, I mean, with my clients, so I'll ask them like, well, what do you like to do? And they're like, well, I don't know because all I've done is work out and eat for the last 20 years. I don't even know what I like anymore. I don't know what I need anymore. All I've needed is the, like to be, to look different. And that's, it's like, that's not who we're meant to be. I don't think. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love that because that's one thing we even had the discussion. I don't remember if it was on another episode or if you and I just had it together, but we started talking about like hobbies and things, things that we like to do. And I rattled off like all of these things that I like to do and realized I haven't done any of them in like three years or even longer, like five plus years. And it boiled down to like, obviously we're running the business and things like that. But before all of that happened, it came down to exactly what you just described. I was so invested in fitness and looking a certain way and feeling a certain way that I didn't invest in things outside of the gym and outside of the kitchen that like brought me joy and like filled up my cup, so to speak. And I think that does happen to a lot of people, like you said. And it is sad because we are meant to do so much more than just like thrusters and pull-ups and burpees. <laughs> right. And and it's like, well, it's like we're waiting for this destination, whether it's like, you know, being able to do the muscle, the strict muscle up or whether it's like getting to the CrossFit games or whether it's being super lean. It's like, well, I, I feel like I'm going to enjoy my life so much more when I get this thing. And it doesn't really happen that way. And I like want people to know that like you can change your body you can chase these goals you can get leaner um, you can get healthier I'm supportive of all of that but don't let it make you think that you're just gonna all of a sudden wake up and love yourself and be happy like that's not that's not how it works and I feel like the fitness industry has given us the given people the impression that like oh once you get there trust us like it'll be great you'll finally love yourself and it just like doesn't happen so <laughs> I want yeah. people to know that <laughs> yeah for sure and I think I think in the industry, like you had just touched on how it gives us these perceptions. I think one of the, another contributing factor is that our clients will look at you and look at us as like, oh, well, they're where I want to be, right? Like they have the the body I want to have, or they have the mentality or the mindset I want to have. But like we struggled with the exact same things, you know, we're sharing right now that we still go through those things. So pursuing an aesthetic or pursuing like an image to look like someone else again, doesn't get you like the ultimate fulfillment, doesn't get you to where you, that destination, quote unquote, um, we all go through it. And I think probably coaches, whether they come out admit it or not, and trainers, they go through it probably just as much, if not more, I think just because the industry, you're more aware of what you're putting in your body. You're more aware of the training you're doing. You're following more accounts that are putting more content out there of training and nutrition and you're just thinking like, holy shit, like, am I doing enough? I don't look like Marcus Philly. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, like, it's just, it gets like to Marcus you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very, I think very few people in the world do. But dude's a beast. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it, it become, I think that I, I was really scared to actually go into, like, I, I wanted to create some social media years ago. Like I wanted to start coming out and talking about this stuff years ago, but I was so scared. I was so scared of people being like, well, you don't, I don't want to look like you. <laughs> and, you know, and I had all this knowledge, like I'm very, I've got, I've got a lot of experience and knowledge and a lot of skills. Um, and I know that I can help people, but it held me back. Just my, my body image held me back so much from even sharing like with the world. And then once I started doing it, I was like, oh, this is actually what the fitness industry needs so much. Like we need to be like these, we're normal people with, with normal bodies. And I don't know, like normal is a terrible word for that, but you know what I mean? It's like, I, I don't, I don't like, I, it would held me back for such a long time. And, and it was like, it really deterred me. And that's, it's kind of sad actually, but here we are. So we're fine now. We made it. <laughs> we made it. Yeah, no, I I mean, I can say every single time that I see your posts uh, and like your stories talking about body image, I'm like, yes, because it, you're, it's just, 
it's what the field like what needs to be said what more people need to hear that how to how to just not overcome but like deal with bad body image days because because it's gonna happen yeah Um, i don't even think it's it is overcoming but it's also just making people aware that that's not the that's not the goal yeah like the goal isn't just aesthetics like that we need to keep making that shift and putting that message out there because that's i mean that's what we preach right like it's more about life outside the gym and what you're capable of doing meaning like the things you enjoy your hobbies and being present in your relationships and having energy throughout the day versus how lean are you are you walking around at six percent body fat are you walking around at 25 percent body fat can you do like a, like a strict muscle up like sarah mentioned or whatever it is none of that stuff really matters mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and it's fun to have goals and chase them and i'm and i i think people really like to be in like the camps right like I, we're in the intuitive eating camp we're in the macro camp we're in the crossfit camp and i'm like i don't feel like i fit in any of those camps and I'm like, what really let's like zoom out on people's lives and say like, in what's going to matter when you're 87 years old? Like, I hope I'm lifting when I'm 87. I hope that I'm still strong when I'm 87. I hope that I'm like, you know, really, and I hope I'm not hating my body when I'm 87. Like, those are the things that are going to matter. And, and, and then like, I think that being in those little camps really holds us back from actually serving people well. Um, so, so I don't, you know, I, I feel like I'm like, I can't really sit with any one ideology so much. And, and like I said, like, I'm not opposed to us like chasing goals and like even aesthetic change. I'm like, if you want to do it good, like that's not my place, but I want to be here to tell you that that's not going to be the thing that you can identify with for the rest of your life. And will give you the fulfillment you will think it, you think it will give you, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what was I just going to say based off of that? I had a thought. We'll circle back around. Yeah. Um, what else? I don't know. Keep rolling. You're you're in control here. You're in the driver's seat. I know. But I'm trying to think of the question that I popped in my head. I'll have to write it down when it comes back up. Um, I know. So we talked a little bit about the difference between going towards our goals from a place of self-love versus kind of self-hate. I want to hear from you. What do you, like what is the difference between those two things and uh really just how much of a difference it really makes when you do come from a place of self-love? Oh, I was I was thinking about this this morning cuz I was on a run and I don't I I played water polo, I've lifted, I've done all the like comp- competed in Olympic weightlifting. But I have never identified myself as a runner. And lately, I don't know why my body has been like, just run. Like, go outside and run. And I'm like, okay. I wish my body said that sometimes. You should see someone for that. (laughs) It's really weird. I will tell you, it's really weird. But I was telling a friend, like, this is the first time that I've actually run and not have it come from a place of like, I just need to lose weight. And I'm like, this is really fun. Like, I really enjoy this. And, and I don't know if like, that's just a good example of how coming, like having done all this running before and running like half marathons and all that stuff, which is in the past, it really was like miserable. And now I'm like, oh, my body really wants to run. And it's something that I really enjoy and can do with moose. And like, there's just, it, it's, it changes how you look at everything. Like coming from a place of self-hate, like you said, Ash is like, just not sustainable. It's like, it's not, it's, it's not going to get you what do you think is going to get you. If you're, if you're doing things from like, 
it's, it, I don't know if there's a lot of relationships like, like where you would hate something and work towards it. Like that's not what we do in, in life. So it doesn't really lead anywhere. It's like this, there's like a dead end of like, well, I thought this was all going to take me out of this self-hate, but that's not what does it for me. Whereas coming from a, a place of self-love and self-care, it's like, it doesn't actually, like I said, doesn't really have to do with the way you're feeling, but the way you're acting. And when you love something truly, you're going to show up for it consistently and you're going to be dependable and you're going to respect it. And I think it really comes down to then like the way you act changes. Like you're not going to show up for something that you hate. Mm-hmm. Why would you? It's not fulfilling. It's not rewarding. And our brains really operate off of reward and it feels rewarding to show up for something that you love. So I think it really comes down to like, not so much a feeling, but an action. Yeah. yeah. I think I, I think I pursued you and I hated you though at the same time. Cause you wouldn't date me. <laughs> thing. So that, I think that's the one, the one exception to that rule. Hey, you. <laughs> but, you well, know. There we are now. It's turned into love. <laughs> Something like that. That's right. I was not expecting that. Um, no, I think I think that's a really really good point. And it's, I always think about it like when we when we make commitments to ourselves and we don't show up, like how guilty we feel and like we get mad, frustrated, and it just becomes like this vicious cycle. So, I love what you said about coming from a place of self-love like when we when we love something we're going to show up like you're going to follow through on the goals that you set and no I think yeah I love that yeah Um, I think that and I think it also alongside that is allowing yourself to get rid of the expectations that are associated with whatever it is that you're trying to go after like even if you're coming from it from a place of self-love and you're pursuing something and showing up that you don't need to have expectations as to how quickly you're going to get there, what it's going to be like when you arrive at that quote-unquote destination. A lot of those are pressures that we put on ourselves that aren't necessarily conducive to us shifting our mindset and being more fulfilled and finding peace in those situations and achieving those goals. So I think that's something else that if you can drop the expectation and just go into it with you know, that, that self-love and just saying, like, I'm going to take action here and I'm going to actively pursue this and wherever it takes me, whenever it takes me, however long it takes me to get there is, is fine. That's, that's what it's about. I, this, it strikes, that strikes like such a chord with me, like with, with clients, like they'll set goals of like, okay, I really want to take care of myself. And the second that they don't like the, you know, this is something we work through in the beginning in coaching is like the second they're like, I didn't hit my macros. They get really upset and really judgmental towards themselves. And like, really, if we kind of zoom out and and just are able to make an adjustment without judging ourselves, like it's so much easier. It's so much more enjoyable, but really like I, and I totally get that. It's like when we have the expectation of like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm like, and and this is all going to happen. And and this, it's still like a, a chasing something external. Whereas like the focus is really like, how is it making you feel? Are you, you know, are you, are you showing up for yourself? Well, and, and, and regardless of the outcome, like it's so much more, it's like the outcome versus process yeah. orientation. hundred percent. And if, even if you take it to something more simplistic, like you were talking about running, Sarah, you're probably enjoying running because you don't have these expectations that you're putting on yourself of, okay, I should feel this way. I should run this split. I used to run this split. <laughs> and now look at me, like I'm a failure. I suck. Like I'm a piece of shit. I ran like an eight minute, whatever, you know? And 
I know that's what I've done with like even CrossFit with some of my like sport performance based training is I'll have expectations going into the session. Meanwhile, that those expectations don't really do me any good. Like I can still pursue a goal without having the micro expectation within an individual session or within an individual mm-hmm. workout or within one day of tracking my macros. Like, like Sarah, you hinted at, we need to zoom out and look at the bigger picture of things and focus more on the, like you said, the process versus the outcome. And that's, what's going to bring more fulfillment and more joy. I mean, there was a period of time where I literally hated training. Like it was mm-hmm. when we were living, when we first moved to Michigan, I was just yeah. like, fuck this. I hate working out. I'm just doing it to check it off the box. I'm doing it because I know I have to do it. And it was because I had all those pressures that I was putting on myself. Uh, and it just, it burns you out. Yeah. I had to get to a point and, and I'm just starting to like in the last year or so be able to get in the pool without, like, I just don't time myself anymore. Like I had to stop comparing to what I was as a college athlete and like just, and it really truly, and with running too, it really truly like made me enjoy it more. I'm like, oh, the whole point is that now I feel good and now I've used my body to move and now I've gotten to explore this environment. The point wasn't to like beat my old mile time from seventh grade PE. Like that's not, that's not fulfilling at all. And so, and I, and we can celebrate goals and milestones and I'm not opposed to that, but it's like, that's not the point. I just don't think that's the point at all anymore for me. <laughs> yeah. I like that you brought that up too, of like celebrating milestones, having goals, chasing, like chasing some kind of destination because I'm we're the same way. There's nothing wrong with those things, but I think we lean heavier on preaching a message where it sounds as if those don't matter to really like break through people's minds of like, Hey, snap the fuck out of like being this, this crazy, just obsessive goal driven individual and start to understand the why behind what behind training and behind nutrition and and then in that process you can start reintroducing the fact like yeah let's let's chase goals let's do these things yeah. uh but you almost have to be like a little more polarizing on that far end of the spectrum to get them to realize oh okay i see what you're doing here this is not what it's all about yeah yeah totally totally agree um kind of going back i remembered what i was gonna ask or say about I feel like we are very similar how you said you can't like I put yourself in the categories of like or category of like macros intuitive eating and I feel like we are very similar in that regard because I look at them as like everything's just a tool and Mm -hmm. it is yeah macros might help you in this season of life but there it does us no good for us to feel guilty if like we don't hit our macros one day or we don't track one day how you mentioned like when we're 87 year old years old are we really gonna remember on august 19th that we didn't track like no it's it's big it's so important to kind of go out and look at that big picture and recognize like even even if you don't enjoy macros, again, it's just one season. It's one tool. There's so many other ways to to go about it. I oh my gosh! I, and I think that when we it's it's really popular on social media to be polarizing. Like I am in this camp, and say something like negative about someone else, and then everyone reposts, and it's like that's not how the real world works. That's just yeah. not how it works. And I put myself in those camps before and then be like, oh, actually I'm not part of that camp. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> yes. And that's been good for me. I used to be against counting macros. I'm like, it's disordered. 
but counting mac when i when i started doing it it was like oh i'm under eating like i'm not mm-hmm. f- fueling my body and it was the only thing that got me to eat enough consistently so how am i going to say that's disorder like so yeah. there's no i just think blanket statements are just the least helpful thing in health and fitness because there's like you said and i say this i say this all the time like there are different tools for different seasons just like in sports performance and and it's really hard to communicate that on social media but that's the truth. Like we all exist in the gray area. And, and sometimes we're like with, with the intuitive versus macro things, sometimes we're going to need to be able to like be a bit more intuitive. Sometimes we're going to need to tune into our body signals. And there's other times where we're going to need to like nail down some things and make, make sure we get what we need. And it's not like either one is bad. It's just that they're, they're different. And I'm, mm-hmm. t- I'm kind of tired of the either or conversation on social media. I'm sure you yeah. guys are as well. I literally had the same conversation uh, with Matt Delavalle and him and I were talking, I worked with him back in the day and we were talking about how when there was a time where both of us and a lot of people who discover CrossFit are so transfixed on CrossFit, <laughs> right? Like the whole, like the first rule of CrossFit is you never stop talking about CrossFit or whatever. <laughs> but like it, you do get enthralled with any kind of camp, right? It doesn't, it's not just CrossFit, but for me, it was CrossFit, and I even had the background and the education and the experience, <laughs> and I still was like, oh, you don't do CrossFit? Like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, and I, That's so funny, because in more, most sports per- performance coaches are like, oh, you do CrossFit, you're an idiot. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but I was so gung-ho that, like, even when I was in that setting, like, collegiate strength conditioning, I would just flat out tell other coaches, I was like, you're just hating because you don't do it. Like, you're you're an idiot. Like, you don't know how valuable it is. And so for anybody that gets into any of those camps and is that, like, enthralled with it, if you like it, great. But, again, it's just another modality. It's just another tool. It's just one more thing. And I think that is starting to come across now more in in certain fitness programs and training methodologies that, okay, it's not just, like, for instance, if you're doing CrossFit and you're, you just keep telling me you want to get bigger and have a better physique, I'm like, well, you need to stop doing CrossFit. Like, you're probably not going to achieve those goals. <laughs> like, whereas if you would ask me that question like six years ago, I'd have been like, nope, never do a bicep curl again. You're an idiot. You're never like, you can't, you're going to look the way you want to look with just Metcons and couplets and triplets. Like, just I, and stick I, it I out. was the one saying, like, you shouldn't be running. Long yeah, yeah. Get out. Lift it's the gonna, weight. It's going to kill your gains, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah but uh i forget i was going somewhere with that and then i got sidetracked by laughing at ourselves here but i think again those camps like you said i think it gets you're putting out mixed messages it doesn't really help the overall process and then i'll circle back around to what i was going to say because i still it still hasn't come back to me we've both done that now in this episode social media social media camps look at she's trying to remind me i still don't know uh, we'll continue on. Uh, it, if it comes to me, we'll bring it back up. <laughs> Perfect. Um, well, I have kind of just one final question um, before wrapping up. So I'm curious, what is the most common struggle that your clients encounter related to like body image? And then what are like some strategies that you've, you, you implement to help them kind of overcome that obstacle? I, I, I think most common is that they come. So most people who come to us, especially at level 10 want to, they want to lose weight and gain muscle. Everyone checks out. We have like boxes of goals that you want to check in our application process. Right. And it's like, everyone checks off gain weight or gain, 
gain sorry, gain. lose weight, gain, uh, gain muscle. And okay. Like, <laughs> and I think that what they're, they're like, they're, they still have this belief of like, okay, I'm fine. I think ultimately most people, when I talk to them after their application, they want to feel good in their skin. They don't necessarily care. Like once we get really down to it, they don't necessarily care about the weight on the scale. They don't necessarily care about, you know, doing a strict muscle up. Most people don't like 90% of people don't. There are people with specific goals, but most people are like, I just want to feel better in my skin. I just want my clothes to feel good. I just want to be confident. And so my, my mission with them is to help them see that like, okay, well, we can be confident at the size that you are right now. That's not, that doesn't have to limit you, but we can also pursue health and fitness in a way that really makes you feel good and does help you to be comfortable in your skin. Um, so I think the most common thing people struggle with is like separating their worth from their body and then them learning how to take care of their body. Like actually, and like, like actually learning how to, to eat well and train in a way that makes them feel good and not do stupid glute band workouts for the rest of their lives. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. I, will get, I will get fiery about that, but to, to teach them the, the science behind it, but at the same time, teach them that like, we can do all this stuff, but that's not going to change the way that you feel. So it's like with my clients, I feel like I walk like kind of to like a fine line between like, okay, we're talking about macros. We're talking about health. We're also talking about body image and where this is like, when, you know, when you do not hit your macros, what happens to you? And like, when, when you do, when the skill does pop up, where does your, your brain go? So I give people, I ask a lot of questions in my check-ins. And the, so I think that sometimes just at starting to at, dig a little bit deeper is what, what helps people overcome a lot of these struggles and like actually talking about it with them. So the first question I ask is, what would change about your life if you did have your dream body tomorrow? Like, would you, would people in your life love you more? If that, the answer is yes, then you need to find different people in your life, first of all. Yeah. Um, because the people that love you are going to love you at a variety of sizes and probably just want you to be healthy and happy. Um, and, and, and I ask, you know, would you be better at your job? Would you be more loving? Would you be smarter? Would you be kinder? Like what about your life would change? Cause we think that everything about our life is going to change when we get thinner and like, that just doesn't happen. And then I ask, um, who benefits when you get into a place where you hate yourself? Like who's really benefiting from this? Like, where does your brain go? Where does your money go? Where does your time go? Um, and then getting people to think about, okay, well say the worst possible scenario happens. Say like you did eat that chocolate cake or whatever, and you didn't track your macros that day, or say you were 10 grams over your fat. Like what's the worst thing that happens? And so getting people to like, just take one step or two steps further with their like digging into why and like being aware of their thoughts is like the only way that I've really found to help people change their beliefs around it. Cause it's like, I can tell them all the time, like you are worthy, you are valuable, but until they see that, that their life isn't going to get better when they get thinner or that their life can get better at the body in the body they have now, until they actually live that it's really hard to convince people of that. They have to like live it. So we have to walk together through that process. And that's questions. That's like going over your macros and not freaking out. That's learning to tune into your hunger and fullness. So it's a multi-level attack, if you will. Yeah, no, I think that's that's awesome to hear just the steps that you walk th walk with them through and uh I think your 
absolutely right. Like we can tell people so many times over and over and over again, but until they experience it, until they come up like with whether it's like the solution or or just they experience it themselves, I think uh, it's really hard to have someone fully invest and like Mm -hmm. change that mindset. It's really hard. Yeah. Well, I think it's one of those things too, where the message has been preached for so long, right? About just in the fitness industry in general, since the the fifties and sixties, it's always been about aesthetics and it's been like you had mentioned the booty bands, which I love (laughs) because I fucking hate those. And I mean, and that like women should be doing that sort of thing and like higher reps, lower weight and more cardio and, and all these, these stereotypes that you hear, that message has been out there for so long and it's still out there in like mainstream media with things like men's and women's health and all of these bullshit magazines and publications that for us and for someone like yourself and anybody else in the industry, like across level 10 and other platforms that are preaching this message of like, I don't want to call it holistic health, but preaching this message of like just self-worth and understanding why you're doing these things and that it's more of a we're process driven, right? And that it's not about the destination and all these other ways you want to phrase it. Someone hears that one time, they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Someone hears it twice, they're like, okay, that's their thing. They have to hear it 17 times before it even really starts to register like, like, oh, maybe I should give this a shot. Then they have to hear it 17 more times after that for them to finally have a like an aha moment or a moment of like, wow, I, I think I finally understand what they're talking about. And, and so then it they have, really, go ahead. Yeah, no, they, they have to like live it and, and come out to the other side and see that like, oh, nothing bad happened when I ate more food mm-hmm. and have, and it's really hard to do that alone. It's really hard. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, anything else? Uh, I did want to ask you, people listening can't see you, but do you have an aura ring on? Is that what's on your yeah. thing? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do you I love, do. It? love it? I love it so much. It has made me really think about my recovery in such a different way <laughs> okay now do you, do you wear it when you train um not if i'm lifting but if i'm like doing anything else then i'll wear it but i have an apple watch too so i wear that i love gotcha. the data <laughs> yeah well we were talking because we both wear whoop and i never used to wear any activity trackers and then she finally convinced me to get a it's whoop. only been like a month since you had yeah. that and oh. we've been talking about the aura, the aura ring. And I was like, I don't think, because she was saying she thinks it'll be really big. It'll get really popular. And I was like, I don't know. I just can't see myself wearing a ring and then having to take it off every time I lift. Right? I have to take my wedding ring off every time I lift. Yeah, well, that's. I guess that's different for the ladies. Yeah. Because yeah. I can just leave this silicone on. Well, you take yours on. off. Yeah, it just depends. But like this <laughs> silicone, I could leave it on. I don't have Even to. Even my silicone off. one. If I'm deadlifting, my silicone one like pinches my fingers, and I hate mm. it, so I just don't wear anything. Yeah. That's me too. I just end up keeping mine on. I don't know what's wrong with me. Because <laughs> what are the so metrics? It or it gives you what sleep recovery and yeah. activity. Is that how they like ready, break it like down? Readiness. Yeah. Readiness. And so I've had a lot of clients with Whoop go like you know i have some clients with whoop some clients with aura but the aura i thought was going to be more of an activity tracker but it's actually more of like a sleep and recovery tracker so it gives me different data than like the whoop would um like there's some crossover but i i love the i love the aura ring because it's like a because i the data i get on my sleep and if you're try if you're tracking menstruation and like 
fertility at all. It's really nice to be able to like confirm kind of when you ovulated. So that's a totally different conversation, but yeah. That's, I, that's one of the main reasons that I've been like thinking about switching is because I hate, well, I don't hate, but I really dislike having to stick a thermometer in my mouth every single morning, first thing in the morning. Yeah. And it won't tell you your exact temperature, but it will, conf- like, it'll tell you, oh, your temperature rose like 0.3 degrees last night. And so then I know. Oh, okay. That's, that's good to know. Yeah. That's very interesting. You don't have to worry about that D. Yeah. That's not on my end. <laughs> I think, I think one that could get really popular, it needs to be refined big time, but is the, uh, the Amazon product that they came out with. What's that called? It looks just like a whoop. But anyway, oh, so Amazon released their own version. It's a little clunkier, a little bulkier. Like it's like first generation kind of thing. But a company that large with that much money to invest, and they already partnered with the Ready State. Like Kelly Star did a bunch of work for them within mm. the app. Like that could become a behemoth of just a monster activity tracker if they refine everything and make it a little sleeker. Yeah. I think will. that would be cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, perfect. Anything else? I think that's it on my end. Sarah, do you have anything you want to add to the conversation specifically? Anything you want to chat about that was on your mind? I just wanted to say that you guys are crushing the reels game. I love your content. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not easy, but you guys are killing it. And I just like love I have loved like watching you guys grow and, and I'm like, oh, there's something different about these, these guys. Like there's something different about them. And it's really nice to connect with other people in the fitness industry where you're like, this is it. This is what it's about. Like, I'm not alone in this. And so it's been really cool to see you guys and Coda. Just Coda. Thank you. That like, even just this conversation, I'm like, oh, like I need you in my life. Like we need to talk more. Yeah. I just feel like so lit up. We don't have any friends. <laughs> so. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Same. <laughs> uh, yeah. And Ash probably appreciates the real thing because she cries pretty much every time we film them. So it's so hard it's so hard especially because he's so good at them so like i'm really not good at them so it's he like stares at me he's like what are you doing like why can't you memorize like hi my name's ashley i'm like because i can't (laughs) okay this stupid reel that i made of like me sliding off a bench i don't know if you saw that one it has it has been viewed 45 55,000 times now it's the most viewed piece of content and i'm like i'll have to show you this master's degree, this like CSCS, all this informative content that I put out versus like me sliding down a bench. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, has she, funny? has Ashley told you about our TikTok? No. So on TikTok, we have a very large following, but it's because like we... very large, like 700,000, like way more, so way more she, than humongous. Any. But it's only because. We got on TikTok like super early just because Gary Vee was like hammering it. And I was like, all right, this dude's never fucking wrong. We need to get on this platform. <laughs> and uh, we filmed, I think, like 12. And then, he, you know, his message is like, keep going, keep going. Like one of them is going to break through. We film a stupid video of us lip syncing in the car, like on the way to walk Coda. Me like, or acting at a dog like park. surprised. Ashley acting like I'm the one singing. And within i think 30 minutes it had like 10,000 views and we were like oh sweet and then in 5 hours it had like 500,000 views and we were like holy shit <laughs> the next morning we woke up and it had like 1.2 million views and we had gained we had gained like 
200,000 followers and then it just never stopped. To this day, we still get comments on this post like, you're a fucking liar. That's not you singing. And I'm like, <laughs> we literally say in the caption, like lip singing. Yeah. Like, like we have hashtag lip sync, hashtag voiceover, all this stuff. And it still to this day gets like negative comments and interactions. And- I'll get messages from family and people I went to high school with that I have not talked to in 10 years that'll be like, is this you? <laughs> like I didn't know you guys could sing. I'm yeah. like, oh, like from YouTube. I'm like, oh. Well, that's the thing. People gosh. clipped it, so now it's on YouTube. It's on different Instagram <laughs> accounts. It's been viewed like right. 80 million times. I'm like, but it's fine. Don't <laughs> listen to what we have to say about health and fitness. <laughs> yeah, and you're just like all this educational content helping people, and then like one lip syncing video. Oh my god. Yeah. So I think more people know us for lip syncing 10,000 hours by Bieber than they do strength and conditioning and, and nutrition. Uh, but we we continue on. Yep, we keep we're here. Forward. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, awesome. Well, uh, Sarah, to wrap things up here, for anyone who wants to find out more about you, what you do, level 10, watch that reel that you just talked about, like where can they find you? How can they get a hold of you? Um, Sarah Emma Strength on Instagram. That's my primary, but I do have a TikTok. My it's mostly dogs, um, but that's also <laughs> Sarah. I think it's Sarah M Strength. Yeah, I'll find you on TikTok. Um, yeah, it, mostly Instagram is my main platform, and I love DMing with people. So shoot me a DM. Let's chat if like any of the body image stuff or anything resonated. Like I love to talk to people. That's what this is all about. So shoot me a message. Oh, yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. I think we had a blast, and uh, hopefully we can do some kind of collaborations in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It was wonderful to just talk to other people who are in the, on, the same, on the same path. So thank you, guys. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Whether this is your first time tuning in or if you're here with us each and every week, We cannot thank you enough. I just want to take a moment to express the gratitude from both Ashley and I for you tuning in each and every week, showing us your love and support for the brand. And if you like what you hear on this channel, please do us a favor and head over to Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a five-star rating. Leave a review or a comment in there as well. That's how we reach more people and change more lives through this platform. And again, we would love you so much if you could do us that small token of your appreciation. Uh, Besides that, be on the lookout. I believe we talked about it at the end of last week's episode, but there is something big in the works in ballistic performance. It is something that we've been incredibly excited to share with you and that we've been pouring a lot of our time and energy into creating. And it's not going to be too much longer until the doors finally open. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for more information in the upcoming days and weeks. Uh, Again, we cannot wait to share it with you, but until next time, we hope you have a fantastic week.